0: Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including the MFA, the certificate program, the marathon program, evening and weekend classes, and a distinguished lecture series that is free and open to the public. The school's internationally recognized marathons are two-week intensive courses designed to build momentum and expand one's creative boundaries. The school welcomes participants for the Fall 2019 Marathons in Drawing and Sculpture, which begin September 3rd. Apply online today at nyss.org. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is an employee-owned company based in upstate New York, committed to making the highest quality artist materials. From their acrylic paints, Williamsburg oils, and core watercolors, Golden makes materials so you can make your best work. You can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Baron Arts. Baron Arts is a Brooklyn-based designer and builder of the best stretcher frames, art panels, and floater frames in New York and the United States. They have many styles and options from standard strainers to mechanical expansion stretchers to fully custom shapes determined by each client. They also stretch the finest canvases and linens to your exact specifications and can even crate and ship your order or your finished paintings anywhere in the United States and worldwide. Baron Arts has almost 30 years of experience building custom structures for artists like Elizabeth Murray, Sean Scully, Kahinde Wiley, Joan Snyder, Catherine Bernhardt, and thousands of others. You know that 21-foot-long tri-folding painting by Geneva Ellis currently in the Whitney Biennial? Baron Arts made that. The stretchers and canvases for my upcoming solo show at Miles McHenry Gallery? They made them. From custom to standard, big projects and small, they remain the most reasonably priced custom shop around and take great pride in offering the finest work at affordable prices for the entire artist community. Your artwork should be on the finest structures available, built by Baron Arts. Find out more at baronarts.com. Emily Mullen was born in Santa Monica, California, and studied painting and sculpture at Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts, and at Goldsmiths College in London. She's had solo exhibitions at Jack Hanley Gallery, Lucien Terrasse, Tennis Elbow at Journal Gallery, and Sunday Takeout in New York. She's been included in group exhibitions at Mrs. Gallery, Kate Werbly Gallery, and Casey Kaplan Gallery. Her work has been written about in Art in America, the Brooklyn Rail, and The New Yorker. She's based out of Brooklyn, and she's represented by Jack Hanley Gallery. Emily stopped by for a talk about horses, piano, ikebana, dancing, and a lot of other great things, including her own artwork. Here's our conversation. <laughs> That's a thing.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, anyways.
0: Well, so sound. And what how did you get into music? Oh, was I mean, it... I'm
1: not even really into music. I just was talking about your your uh, son going to Right. camp. But, but I, you I mean have I, an ear for music. I mean, I was when I was playing like I could mimic what the teacher was doing. I didn't want to like actually take the time right. to practice and like learn to read, but I could Hear it and sort of figure it out. But I think I like, I stopped the lessons and the playing probably by the time I was 11, I think.
0: What were you playing? Just Just piano. piano. Just piano.
1: But I also took some singing lessons. I love to, you know, I like singing. Yeah. Uh, And I sang in a chorus in like junior high, would do musicals Mm -hmm. and all of that. See,
0: I used to be biased and think that, you know, it's better to just have a good ear uh, and be able to mimic. And just teach yourself without reading. But now I really understand the value. of... I think of, you
1: have if you want of, to like actually do it. Like right?
0: really knowing yeah, about. Yeah, you got to know. Yeah, he was like, his teacher asked him a question about, like, I don't even, I don't even know what it was. Like, <laughs> yeah, not time signatures, but something about like certain notes. And he was like, oh yeah, that's just a double cleft, blah blah. You know. And I was like, wow, man, I didn't know any of that it's stuff. It's
1: totally. It's like math. It's just a different language that I will never. Really learn,
0: but can you? <laughs> but can you imagine being like math is your job, but you don't really know it? Yeah, I feel like I did a lot of music stuff in my life. And yeah, was, yeah, it was a total sham. Like, yeah, that's good. It's I always
1: good to feel like what you're doing is a sham. Bunk,
0: yeah, like <laughs> you're. It's like my art career. Out. Well, art, at least art is artifice; yeah. it's fake. Right, like, right, right. You know, you're trying to yeah. create something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not real and yeah. fake. <laughs> Yeah. But so the piano lessons when you grew up, that, did you grow up in Massachusetts? No, I grew up in LA. Oh, that's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we lived there until I was like 12. And then yeah. we moved to Northern California to a town called Davis. And then I came east for college. And then I've stayed more or less on the East Coast.
0: Davis would be UC Davis? That UC Davis. Davis.
1: Yeah. There's a toad tunnel in Davis. What's that? Which is like what they got made fun of on SNL. Toad tunnel? A toad tunnel. They like, it's a very green eco town right. and they built there are these toads that migrate through davis and they built like an underpass under the highway for the toads so, to they, could get so they could get through but like how's the toad gonna know anyways there's lots of stuff like that <laughs> best farmer's market in california yeah. huge vet school my mom was doing a phd there um right. so we moved there but yeah no i grew up in la and my grandparents lived in hollywood my grandma played like piano for really scores for movies and stuff like that and taught uh at a community college there and yeah my dad like went to hollywood high i i loved like that whole the whole thing the whole thing
0: hollywood yeah so
1: but i grew up in santa monica which was like much sleepier back then and um,
0: but the family was in showbiz
1: my dad was a screenwriter yeah 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 and a play a playwright first and then a screenwriter
0: but his parents, his mom, were in show business. Well,
1: his father worked for my grandma's father, and they did like signage for grocery stores. He was a Holocaust survivor. Like, he, uh-huh. they're my dad's side of the family is crazy. But um, so his job was my grandpa's job was really straight, but she was, you know, more artistic. I yeah. suppose had this great.
0: Well, he painted those signs. Those I
1: think be- it was more like. I don't even know if it was just, like, the letter, you know, you'd, like, buy a pack of letters that would then oh, get right. displayed. Like, it was really commercial signage, yeah. not artistic. Right. Uh, but, you know, it was, like, a job, and he was yeah. just, like, I just need to survive, <laughs> you know? That's, like, of, I'm, that's all there's I There's a lot of need for do. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so your, uh, your dad grew up, I guess, in the environment.
1: Yes. My so dad became... was, like, yeah, grew up there um
0: became a screenwriter
1: became yeah became a screenwriter he went to berkeley Mm uh and he's a hilarious you know great funny guy very you know emotional always was taking us to plays and it was cool um and he met my mom i guess he was a playwright in residence in san francisco at Mm -hmm. act and he was writing i think some pilot for ABC. They were working in the same building, and he saw her in an elevator, and he was like,
0: "She's the one. She's the one. That's sweet." Big dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Well>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love at first sight. Yeah.
1: Anyways, yeah. He, they're they're great. Um, so yeah, they well, moved us when they were starting a family moved to LA so he could write, and we stayed there for a long time, and then he sort of got burnt out on it, and my mom was starting a PhD. She's a developmental psychologist, and so it all just sort of timed out that we moved up north.
0: Wait, and how how old were you when you moved up there?
1: I think I was like 12.
0: Was it a big shock to the system? Uh, Moving at 12 seems like tough because you, if you've been in one place the whole time, yeah, you're uprooting a lot of deep roots.
1: It was harder for my brother, who's two years older, and yeah. like school in LA was really gentle and like fishy oh, yeah. and then we went to public school in Davis and I was just I was like ju- I just snuck in before all the crazy like hormonal stuff started oh, right. happening but he you know he, he was, was tall it. people wanted to like fight him because he was tall and he was like but I I, <laughs> I playing that a, and, like playing <laughs> cello I
0: love that that's a calling card for fights yeah. it's like oh you're tall you want to yeah. go?
1: yeah um, so I think harder for him. I I was really into horses, mm-hmm. and because UC Davis is a huge, there's a huge veterinary school there. I just immediately was like, well, now I can ride horses. Like, this is my place all the time. Yeah. Whereas in LA, I could get a lesson like once or twice a week. Davis, there's like a nice university town, but then you drive 10 minutes and you're like in agricultural fields. Yeah. And there are really good equestrian people everywhere because they all worked at the vet school. So that yeah. I just like dropped into that and was. Okay.
0: It's so funny because I would think, I don't know why, Mm. maybe it's Hollywood or like Mm. shows that you see, but I would think LA schools are are tough to socially difficult, you know.
1: Yeah, I think um, I got out just in time. Like if I had stayed through junior high and high school there, I would have been like a drug addict or dead. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think... uh, but for childhood, like, yeah. my parents also made the choice of just dumping all of their money on, like, a very gentle school for yeah, us. Right. And so we always had the perception in that school that we were, like, the poorest people in the school mm-hmm. because, like, Spielberg's kids were right. at the school. And, you know, we didn't have a nanny or a cook or whatever. Like, it was so warped, just right. the social class yeah. stuff. Um but my experience was that it was incredibly like nurturing and gentle.
0: Now, how do you think that's, I say this as a parent, mm. <laughs> how do you think that's manifested itself in your present mm. psyche mm. of how you approach things? Do you know what I mean? Because there, especially in, as you can imagine, in New York City, there's yeah. this idea that you're either going to a private school where right. they really take care of you and everything's yeah. like soft and gentle, or you go to public school, which is just kind of like, no one cares. It's just like, get it done. No one's going to sort of, you know, soothe your feathers or anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I felt creatively nurtured, like, and I think that had a direct effect on how I wanted to live my life and spend my time. Um, but I think having that switch when I was like a preteen, you know, and, Getting the public school experience was also really healthy because it made me realize, oh, people don't live that's the way re- I've <laughs> been living for the last eleven years. That's not reality. That's not reality. Yeah. Um, so I was, I think, lucky to get a bit of both. I don't know, like, it, I don't have children here, but I see my friends sort of making those choices, and that's that's like that's a huge heavy call.
0: Yeah, you're never going to make the right choice. Right. But you're always making the right choice. You yeah, yeah, mean? yeah. It's kind right. of like you just got to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine that's. Was it a, was a big population shift? Like were you going from a giant school or a small school to a, a really big school or?
1: Yeah, small school to a bigger school in Northern California. But yeah. you could handle it? I think, I mean. I mean, it's I, a
0: shift of the atmosphere too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And socially, I would imagine.
1: And just dropping into a group of, yeah. Teen girls who are just like you know, they get a little bit crazy. But because I had this other world at a barn with like horse people, I sort of was able to weather it. I you think better than if I hadn't had something that I like loved to fall back on. I think yeah. if you have the thing, it's like whether it's music or sports or right. whatever, then you can weather a shift like that. Yeah. But I also have friends that like moved around every two years with their families. And right. you just go, whoa, what does that do to you? I think you just... You just adapt.
0: It's tough. I yeah. think when, the, when you know, you're changing so quickly and, and socially changes yeah. are coming, It's are choppy waters to yeah, navigate. Yeah. Like it's, it's never going to be a still, sort of soothing ride. Yeah. You yeah. Know, but, uh, you know, when you're young, you're kind of adaptable and versatile and you can just... Weather that sh- yeah. storms usually.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but creativity was part of the whole the whole bit, I guess. It's not like that was ever a foreign environment for you.
1: Yeah, my parents were really good about. Um, I mean, my mom's sort of focus in psychology was early childhood development. Mm-hmm. So, like playtime, you know, just time where I would be by myself making something interesting happen. Like that was yeah. really emphasized and stressed as something that was important um
0: expression is valuable
1: totally yeah my i mean there would be phases where my mom would be like you can either clean your room or like go make something
0: (laughs) do you have a messy studio (laughs) 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 that's good right yeah
1: yeah so i always
0: thought of you know Mm. having like a super clean room being forced to have a super clean room Mm. when you're a kid it's another one of those two sides of a coin. Right. It's like I guess when you get older, you won't be a slob. Yeah, <laughs> but you might be that person who's just so fussy about how everything is that you know, it stifles your yeah you know ability to to yeah. you know just let some things go and yeah, be creative. Yeah. And I think being creative necessitates a, a bit of just letting some of the other things go while yeah. you get lost and
1: I love big piles of things. I'm yeah. looking around. You don't have well. That's a that's a pile. But this is not so crazy. Did you clean no, up? No, I, I
0: think sometimes people think because of my work that my I'm super clean or right. tidy or organized, but it's not like that at all. Yeah. It's kind of, and this is relatively tidy. It gets, you know, I just shipped out a bunch of work for a show. Yeah. So I think when I'm in, when I'm deep in the trenches of like yeah. that time, it, yeah. it gets a little hairy. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I like that. It feels yeah. comfortable. Sure. I don't have to like, you know, straighten things out. Yeah. So you had you had that expressive looseness. Was oh yeah. Get, I would oh, like push it to
1: the limits when I was a kid with my messes and then they'd be like, get it together. Yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to clean. Yeah.
0: Um, but were you drawing a lot or were you making things or you know putting on plays?
1: Yeah. It was less focused specifically on like painting, but it was more, yeah, putting on plays with friends singing you know a lot of dress up a lot of like performance stuff um and then I had a few relatives that were artistic I had a great aunt who was like this really kooky watercolorist who lived in she like moved to Hawaii before it was a state and would do these beautiful sort of landscapes and floral paintings she would always like send me stuff and then my uncle was a printmaker and it was always sort of encouraged but in the periphery and there was never any pressure for like that to be the thing honestly like I lived in a sort of nurturing creative environment but I always thought like horses were my thing yeah and so um but I would take art classes all the way through and in high school I took a watercolor class that I loved um and then when I got to the end of high school I wasn't even sure I wanted to go to college like I seriously thought I was going to just go train with this former Olympic rider who had a farm in Vermont and also a farm in Florida and like be a working student basically. But
0: wait, so you were thinking the equestrian path, but that was as like like a competitor. Or yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. I was like,
1: I want to go to the Olympics. I was oh, like, wow. there were like really serious people in Davis that like had done international shows and had very successful careers that I was training with. But, um, so I, I thought, well, this, this could be it. I don't necessarily need to go to college, even though I always did well in school. Um, and I looked at going to train with this guy at this farm or maybe as a backup, Mount Holyoke is like a college mm-hmm. option. Right. That was the only school I applied to because I really thought I'm just going to defer this whole choice for a year and see if I like this full-time horse thing. Yeah. I flew out to the East Coast with my dad and we looked at the farm. I rode with the guy. It seemed cool, but then I also looked at, the college, um, cause they had an equestrian program and they, other people I had known from California had ridden there and I was like, fuck it, I'll just apply and see what happens. And they gave me a huge scholarship. I got in and I got a big scholarship. And then it was like, well, what do you do? Yeah. Do you choose this one thing, which is really singular and just focus on the sport? Or do you keep sort of developing your mind and then this, you know, you can still ride, um, So I just, I did that, and the team, the equestrian team was, like, filled with these incredibly wealthy, like, East Coast bitches. Yeah. And it was totally different than the West Coast riding culture, which is, like, it's easy to have a horse in California. The weather's nice all the time. You can buy a cheap horse. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Whatever. Yeah, there's space. But on the East Coast, it was like, oh, these are these girls who have horses that are, like, $300,000 each, and... um. They wouldn't even ride them. They just ride them at shows. Like it was just a total, fl- you know, flip. So yeah. then the academics became more interesting, and the art classes became more interesting. And I still rode all the way through school, but I quit the team. You know, didn't do that, and um, and then got into, I sort of found my way into art seriously while, in college while in school. Yeah. yeah. Now,
0: forgive my ignorance yeah. in the field. Yes. But are there? Um, prodigies when it comes to like people who are really good at riding horses, and is there a sort of like physical gains of certain like you know like I think of horse racing yeah. and jockeys. Yeah. There's a certain sort of physique, and like yeah. you know they're small. Like, <laughs> yeah, when it comes <laughs> yeah. to riding, yeah, and and I'm thinking the equestrian riding is more of kind of like obstacle coursey, correct? There's lots of jumping. Yeah, <laughs>
1: what I did was like the triathlon. It's called three day eventing. So the okay. first day is dressage, which is like the prancy thing. Right, right, No jumping. The second day is cross-country jumping, which is sort of based on, you know, steeplechase where you're in and yeah. out of water, up and down hills, big jumps, solid jumps. And then the final day is show jumping, which is like the beautiful painted right, right. jumps in the, the little, arena.
0: Looks like a miniature golf course. Way more you're...
1: technical, but like be- visually so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and anybody type can do it. It's interesting in that it's the only, one of the only sports I think where men and women compete against each other. There's Mm -hmm. no, like, gender stuff. Um, Any body type really can be good, uh, and you can do it into... I mean, there's, like, people in the Olympics that are in their late 60s. You know, you can... If it's in your body, you can sort of keep it going.
0: What makes you really... is, Is what makes people really good at it, their connection to the horse and their ability to make... To sort of be... Like one with the horse and how it's moving through that whole flow. It's like the the most, yeah,
1: there's like the most subtle bodily connective stuff happening between like you shift this much of your weight and like something's unlocked in the horse's body. You know, it's like you just, yeah, you really have this completely uh, fluid way of communicating with the animal. And, you know, when you're coming up to big jumps, sort of understanding you need to push it, you know, to extend and you know get it to the right spot, so you're not crashing into something. Yeah. It's so much fun, it's so much fun. It sounds
0: really cool. I mean, yeah. you can't like if your horse is grumpy, you just might have a bad day. Sure, sure. That's rough.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I
0: guess it's like that with anything, really. Yeah. Like if you're, or if NASCAR, you're having a bad. Day. Yeah. If you're a NASCAR driver and your car's just having a hard day on yeah. the track, you're gonna blow a tire and it's right. over. Sure. Man, that's a lot of stress.
1: Oh, but I mean, it's also like one of those activities, like any sport, I think it's like, it also clears your mind because that's the only thing you can really be thinking about. Right. I love that aspect of it where yeah. you're like so tuned into what's happening that you can't think about yeah. what papers are due or whatever. whatever. Right, you're in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love we, that.
0: I feel like people are, especially these days with the amount of, you know, stimulus. Yeah. it's a, People just love to find a way to into something directly for however long that is. Yeah. To just escape all that noise.
1: Yeah. You got to. You and have to have stuff. Why? Well, this is
0: great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, turn off the phone for an sure. hour and like do something yeah. specific, you know. Yeah. Um, but I guess the environment shift to the East Coast really kind of pushed you Total culture outside. shock. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that you can be so invested in one thing? Yeah. Which is, there's like a sort of a real true connection that you have in riding a horse yeah. that is not conditional upon society or you know, money or yeah. you know, all that stuff, yeah. social class or things, yeah. like, but that can come right into it and ruin it. Sure. Boy, I wonder if that applies to the art world, <laughs> <laughs> making art. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Money doesn't make you, but it sure helps get you somewhere. So.
0: Yeah, what's the Kanye West quote, right? <laughs> uh, wait, what is it? Having money isn't everything, but not having it is?
1: Mm, mm. Thanks, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the only Kanye quote you to He's my
1: touchstone, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> always. But I have a quote board. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right over there on the wall, like, all yeah. well, the Kanye quotes that exactly. keep
0: moving in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, how did the artwork at college come into it were you just taking classes and
1: I think I argued my way into a sculpture class that I like didn't have the prerequisites for and oh yeah was really into that into welding um into woodworking um just loved the physicality of it and um making stuff and I didn't think I was gonna be an art major initially. I was also taking, like they had this great uh, major there called critical social thought, which was like social theory, philosophy, but it was all sort of self-directed. Like you would choose what your focus was gonna be. But the more I took the art classes, the more I was like, ooh, maybe an art major and a critical social thought minor. Um, And then there was sort of the decision of, do I do a junior year abroad? I'd never left the country before. I thought like this is it. This is my chance to Did like they have a program? get out. They didn't have um, a program, but you, they would give you the credits if you like arranged something, right? Because other
0: other places have like these specialized programs. Links. Yeah, yeah.
1: There was no direct link anywhere, but um, I was like, I want to see what an art school is like, and I want to get out of America. And so I, I had my uncle who was the printmaker was teaching at Chicago Art Institute. And I was like, I don't know where to go. Like, where do you even begin? Um, Because Mount Holyoke, even though they had good facilities, was like pretty backwards in terms of the contemporary scene and like what was relevant. Um, And so he was like, apply to Glasgow School of Art, Goldsmiths and Slade. Look at all the programs, see -hmm. what you want to do. And I liked the Goldsmiths approach, which was just like totally interdisciplinary, conceptually driven. Yeah. Looked really cool. I got there. I was like blown away by how cool everybody was. A lot of really good bands coming through. I like immediately started getting free haircuts at like the Tony and Guy Academy and got this horrible mullet, like a European mullet and was like just got so out of control with the clothes I was wearing because like every girl in Southeast London just looked savage and amazing all the time and loved it. And it was just like... It was a real art school. They totally kicked people's ass. And wow. um,
0: Did you have some professors there that you really I were mean, inspired by or kicked you in the butt in a way?
1: There were, everyone was quite good there. Um, there was a good photography guy named Burnt Baer. Um, and then Martin Constable was like in charge of our unit. And then I was taking art history. There's a woman named Jill Sheridan who. It was like, you should all be doing internships. I interned at Listen Gallery when I was over there. Oh, nice. And this was like when the art market was
0: yeah. booming. Like right. this
1: was 2004 or 5. Oh,
0: yeah, nice. Right before.
1: Grand slam. They had, at Listen, I was like cataloging their whole library. But they would also have a masseuse come by week. Like one, and once every two weeks, I would get massages as an intern. Like... Really? Mind blowing! I was like, the art world's amazing.
0: Yeah, this is gonna last. <laughs> this forever. is it. Like,
1: um, yeah, you know, they had a chef cook lunch, family style lunch. It was like amazing. Man,
0: I want that internship. I know. I'll take but it now. That
1: doesn't exist anymore.
0: Massages and free lunch.
1: I know. Uh, and great artists. You know, I, I think the thing that that year away really gave me more than anything was just exposure to how yeah. people were really making work and um you know work that wasn't a physical object work that was about yeah. the concept versus the material and right so I got back to Mount Holyoke and I was pissed I was right like, was like ready we're to gonna, rattle the cage and we're not, not like, getting
0: massages here yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: so anyways that's sort of the arc of it and uh well,
0: that must have been inspiring to come back did you just Go in fifth gear when you got you I was got cra- back? I yeah.
1: like was crazy when I got back. I was doing all of these like very uh, public intervention style like performance works. I had a it, Mount Holyoke's an all women's college. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but oh, yeah. um, I did a piece called the Man Line at a certain point, which was inspired by Sarah's Tilted Arc. Yeah. where I like I was taking this five college consortium drawing class, and I just like recruited all the guys I could to just come stand in a line in the middle of the quad silently. That was a deal. It was like, you can't talk, you're just standing here for an hour. And like, people lost their minds. Oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) It was, you know, it was fun. It was like, I mean, I'm not making work like that anymore, but certainly in that time, it was like, it it felt great to be responding to that environment um, directly to be able to sort of talk about what was happening on campus.
0: I think those also art. when you say like I'm not making work like that anymore, I yeah. think those like core things that you do yeah. that are outside maybe the realm of what you're making yeah. as like, yeah. an artist once you kind of come to your own in a way. Yeah. They're in it's in there. Yeah, know? yeah. Sure. Like I remember an undergrad taking an installation art class yeah. that was like riveting. You yeah. know, and I made these crazy just you know, like political yeah. sculpture installation yeah. things that were so you know, I don't know. I feel like it's so different in a way from what I'm doing, but it was yeah. the foundation, the core there is right. is in in my work and it's in me, you know. It's like and when it's you important. first start
1: to engage really with yeah. like how do I relate to all of these right. things around me through my art practice? And yeah. that's yeah, that's such an exciting time.
0: Definitely. It's almost like the punk stage before sure. you go into whatever music you're making. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like you got to give the finger to the man before you just you know, kind of hide that in whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Not right. that you have to, but, you know, yeah. sometimes you tone it down as yeah. you age a bit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak it in there. It's like yeah. a side dish of, yeah. you know, political, social sure. commentary. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. were you mostly, were you making and doing performances and doing a lot of different yeah, things? Yeah, I was like
1: so, doing animations, I was doing printmaking, I was all over the place.
0: And what was the thought when you got back? So you had one more year, I take it?
1: Yeah, I had one more year. And it was just like, just respond to this place and then like, get the
0: fuck out. Yeah, what was the plan? After? Uh,
1: afterwards, I moved back home for the summer because I needed to make money. And I worked at a bronze foundry in Sacramento, which wow. was crazy. Um, what were they doing? They were making really bad <laughs> sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> there was It was amazing. There was an artist named Shrey and her website... um, like the tagline was sculptor of human emotions, which is like, like, maybe I should just stay here and be her apprentice because she knows.
0: She's figured it out. Oh my God. I don't know how many people right now are Googling. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> <still>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, anyways, it was just like, it was a very kooky situation, but I just needed to like make some money because I wanted to move to New York. That was the plan. It was like,
0: okay, so that was work, your... work,
1: work, find a way to get to New York.
0: Now, had you been to New York before?
1: Yeah, I, did, I had done some trips. You know, when we were kids, we went a few times. But then when I was in college, I would go down for, yeah. like, protests. But also, um, I did, like, a summer program. 92nd Street Y had this crazy summer program when I was in college. And mm-hmm. they had, like, Rob Store come do crits. And Roberta Smith was talking. I mean, it was, like, all of these people who were, you know, amazing were in and out of this tiny little summer Arts program. Yeah, but
0: that place is... There's something about that place. That place it's like magic. Amazing. Every time I've gone there, my son used to take soccer lessons or like yeah. they would have like the soccer sessions in the basement or something yeah. of like side building. And then you see the roster of the people who are coming in that place. It was like a little yeah magical place.
1: Totally. So that was like definitely a factor uh, in me wanting to just get back because having just, you know, it was like, it was thrilling to be there. Um, so... Yeah, I love everyone's like story about how they arrive in New York City. Like how you how do you get your little foothold? That's such a good
0: right. <laughs> how do you open that crazy first Crazy Story, right? Are so you I unleashed that story on it. Right I now? mean,
1: it's mine's pretty boring, I guess, but like, you're just sort of desperate and you don't have money. So I I moved back. I, I flew back to New York. Met up with a friend who I went to Mount Holyoke with. We like. Shared a room and a bed, you know, to just try to figure out where to get yeah. work. Uh, and then I, I interviewed all over the place. That's like the most depressing thing when you're just like interviewing and thinking, oh, I'm ne- no one's ever going to hire me. Like, yeah. um, interviewed at a Chinese art gallery, and the guy was like, listen, he's a white guy. Mm-hmm. I'm very Japanese, and I'm going to need you to clean the bathrooms. And I was like, what? <laughs> What, what, that what that even are you mean? talking like?
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know Americans don't clean up. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: <and laughs> anyways, a lot of those situations where you just go, oh God, no, I can't, I can't do this. this yeah. um, and then I, my first job ended up being like a gallerina front desk position at Andrea Rosen. Oh, wow. Which was like a real eye opener. Oh, my God. That was like the best first job imaginable because it was terrifying. Yeah. Uh,
0: Deep end of the pool.
1: Oh yeah, totally.
0: No, I, yeah, I don't, not to assume anything, but I'm totally assuming.
1: It was, yeah. (laughs) And people were like suspicious of me because I'm, my demeanor is like very West coast. I would smile way too much, you know, Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so if you don't mind Mm, me asking, mm. how old were you roughly at this?
1: I was uh, young. I was, I guess I was, Seventeen when I started college, I was young, and then so I must have been t- turning twenty-one, right?
0: Well, I, f- thank God for youth, right? Because that's right. when you can handle that's that stuff. That's when you can take it. Because, like, totally, you know, and I think that's part of all of our New York stories. Yeah. When we first get to yeah. New York, is like you're unconsciously willing to deal with a lot of crap just because you're just getting in there. But stuff that if you've been here ten years, you're like, yeah. mm, there's no way in hell I'm yeah. doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But, yeah, I mean, seeing that side of the gallery world is right off the bat. Yeah. But that didn't drive you away as the East Coast equestrian <laughs> society drove you away.
1: Yeah, I mean, I quit after a year. But I a year, that's good, though. I lasted a year. Yeah. I've seen people yeah.
0: <laughs> last yeah. much shorter in galleries. Yeah. Than
1: that. Um, it was a great education, but I was just like, if I'm not physically making stuff every day, you know then I'm not gonna yeah I'm just not happy uh and then after that it was just like years of freelance stuff I was a welding assistant for Nathan Carter he was great that was a good job we would travel around together and you know he he had a really good studio and uh I was doing that I was doing windows at Bergdorf's I was like you know windows is good though
0: windows is great I mean I got started at Macy's and that's yeah it's somewhat creative, sure. But then there's an end of the day, you know. Yeah. Like Windows and can be good.
1: Yeah, Windows was fun, and then um, at least with those jobs, like there would still be time for me to be tinkering away with my yeah. own stuff, and I wasn't sort of depleted. Um, Did you
0: have a studio at that point? Or were you just working? Where live, you live, live, work. Yeah,
1: live, work. Yeah, um, and and
0: we're talking 2000,
1: I guess, from like 2007 to. And oh, right
0: when the the poop hit the fan. Yeah. In the market.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. You just sort That's of. That's
0: a good way to come in, though, in a way. Come in, yeah. Come in expectations when it's are... booming. <laughs> oh, you thought. <laughs> well, I mean.
1: Yeah. I don't know. And then <laughs> then the bottom falls out. But whatever. Right. I was scrappy. I was, like, happy to yeah. hustle and, you know.
0: And be somewhere where all this stuff is going happening. on, right? Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but
0: you felt that just not to sidetrack, but you felt that dynamic between like being a West Coaster and mm. being in the East Coast because it is such a different.
1: It's a very mentality. different vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I would go to the West Coast occasionally. Like I had yeah. a show out there, and yeah, that laid-back vibe. Whereas I think now I can appreciate it more. I was younger, and I was just like everyone's just out? too yeah, not taken as serious. You know what I mean? Mm. And then now I can think, oh, it's good to lighten up. up yeah. There. Do you know but there totally. is a pretty big difference
1: very different styles. Do and you
0: see yourself shaking back over to your your natural coast eventually or do I you don't feel know. like this it suits you here?
1: I love it here. My husband's from Ireland, so New York is the perfect midway. Oh yeah. Midway it is. Point. Um California's great. I worry about, you know, California just like the The whole state catching on fire and you know
0: from the irish standpoint of not having too much sun right new york is a happy medium yeah exactly i mean that sunny la that could probably get i mean i'm from pittsburgh and it's pretty gray yeah in pittsburgh i I like a gray city too yeah yeah if i get too much sun it's like okay i think i'm ready for you know some cloud cover Yeah.
1: yeah 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 uh i like being here i like the seasons, even though I complain about them. and
0: That's the whole bit, that's right? That's the whole thing. You love it, but you complain about it. Yeah, I can it. be
1: unhappy anywhere. <laughs> 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 um, no, so I, I love California. I love the excuse to like go back to the West Coast and visit. But for the time being, I like being here because it's easier. This is a much easier launch point for traveling and yeah. seeing people over abroad. Right. So,
0: And you still like to travel a lot?
1: Yeah, we yeah. we try to do. I mean, we're like always visiting either California or Ireland for mm-hmm. family stuff, but often try to tag on some other big yeah. trip every year because it's like the greatest. Yeah. Going to other countries is
0: so much fun. Traveling phenomenal,
1: and especially if you're making things, it just is like an endless. Like if you feel yourself getting depleted, just go on a trip. You know, feel recharge totally
0: and visually too. Whenever you feel stagnant, I feel like it's such a great yeah way to recalibrate your vision yes the way you're seeing the world
1: yeah get a bunch of new ideas that you want to you know experiment with
0: have you I should probably know this but have you done a lot of residencies and and made work in different places
1: you know what I haven't and that's something that I've got to get on I mean I was sort of have gotten comfortable in my little studio setup but I think it would be good my sort of pattern has been just to sort of take a take a trip somewhere where I want to go look at stuff and then get back to my studio and you know crank hit the down. gas yeah but uh I should do some I mean I should just apply sometimes it's hard
0: well sometimes here's a good there. segue to yeah. your work yeah if I, if I ever get, like, a massive complaint on this, it's that yeah. I take so long to get to people's work. But <laughs> yeah. I really do...
1: I'll talk about anything except my... No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting to get people's stories. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, sure, what, sure. what led you to the point yeah. of, you know... Yeah. Every interview is just like, so, what do you... Your yeah. materials are, you You're know, right, it's right, the right. same questions. Or whatever. But but you do have an element of ceramic in your mm, work, yeah. and there are a lot of resonances oh, yeah. for ceramics, because, obviously, kilns are hard to just... Stick in the old studio in the city, so it's a great escape to go make work. Yeah, you know, um, I'd like to go back
1: to Japan and like do a residency there. Oh, you've been? I've been, but not on a residency. But I was pretty blown away. Did you Um, go to
0: any of the six schools?
1: uh, Shigaraki, I went to, and that was unbelievable. Um,
0: You have to go to Tokoname. Okay, do you know that one? No, I'm. It's Tokoname is um, west of Nagoya. Okay, and it's. Uh, you know, one of those little villages yeah. and they have the shelf, I forget the name for it, the shelf kilns yeah. and, yeah. and built in. Wood fire,
1: yeah. Anagama or Anaburagama. Yeah,
0: but beautiful, like these little um, sort of like, I don't know, not stores, but you know, where, yeah. where people are making ceramics and selling yeah. them and everything's really cheap but like beautifully made. Yeah. But the tokoname ware is more kind of like It's less polished. It's a little more textured, a little more rough around the edges, and it's... it's They like,
1: I mean, the clay bodies that exist over there, it was the same in Shigaraki, where the clay that they're digging out of those mountains Mm -hmm. has, like, hunks of what is essentially glass that, you know, some of it vitrifies, but some of it stays really textured, and it is, it's like a different, completely different than the smooth sort of earthenware, stoneware, whatever, porcelain bodies. Yeah, like the hasami and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 so... That's a dream. I gotta get on it. I gotta apply to some stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great ceramics. So, so the segue to your okay, work. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. did ceramics come into the to play? Like, what were you making? Yeah, before the ceramics, and how did that enter your life?
1: Um, I was making sort of things that existed somewhere between painting and sculpture. There were a lot of sort of shaped canvases that would sort of stack on the wall, or like welded armatures that I would drape fabrics over whatever. But I was feeling frustrated with those works, and I took, I just signed up for a continuing ed class at Long Island University right off the Manhattan
0: Bridge. LIU. LIU. Yeah. Uh,
1: because it was the cheapest program, and you would get, um, I think, tw- was it 24-hour access? That seems crazy, but I think it was mm-hmm. to their facilities, um, and it was like me and a bunch of old people, and they were all on the wheel, but it was like totally self-directed, but just sort of my first dip serious dip into the medium and i i just loved it
0: that's so it's so smart though mm. because if you take like if you go to a williamsburg like hipster ceramic class thing yeah you pay oh my god it's so crazy. much money How, what, what gave you the idea to do that to just find the cheapest school i to where literally you get access. was
1: googling like what is the cheapest because i couldn't afford the yeah. other stuff.
0: But then you get all the access to the stuff. and Yeah. You can and the just-
1: kiln. And they were giving you free clay. I don't know if they still do that anymore. But it was totally this great thing where I could just go there um, and experiment. And it wasn't that busy... Usually, especially in the evenings. The only thing that was funny is like, because it was under a lot of undergrad classes, all the glazes were contaminated because oh, right. students just would just dip. be like, bop, 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 you know, and just ruin everything. Right. So you couldn't. It's
0: like tie-dye swirl. Yeah. I was like, everything. okay, well,
1: you know, whatever. <laughs> but it, uh, it definitely, I don't know. It just sort of felt like this great way to do things that were very painterly, but also clearly there's a, you know, super sculptural, thing that happens in clay I was doing a lot of hand building I I learned the wheel but that was just I don't think ever going to be it it for me yeah. uh, and then my husband and I we were like we got to have a studio outside of our apartment because we had this sort of two bedroom at the time and he was making these like, he's a painter as well mm-hmm. he's making these carved paintings and he was like chiseling and I, you know there was like one huge work table that would shake it was like really bad <laughs> So we were finally like, let's get a studio. Let's just, like, go for it. And we got a studio in this building, and our next-door neighbors in, on the floor were these amazing functional ceramicists um, who are, like, art, you know, amazing artists in their own right. Yeah. And we became really good friends, and it was like – then I just sort of was like, this is – now I can really just – do this as much as I want. And oh, they the, let you. Oh, yeah, they are like fire anytime. We're oh. like still friends to this day. That's so nice. Um, they're wonderful. Mondays plugging them. Mondays ceramics. Nice. Yeah, Nina and Jen, they're the best. Based um, in Brooklyn. Based in Brooklyn. Yep. Cool. Really good, really kind, really smart women. Um, and that was that was sort of the beginning of me just falling in love with the medium, and then trying to figure out how do I have this exist in my art practice in a way that is legitimate you know it's like so quickly people want to put people wanted me to just sell what I was making in a shop somewhere and I really wanted to frame it in this painterly space
0: Um, yeah and I mean it sounds like you came from a history of thinking conceptually Mm. and you know with some pointed subject matter and Mm. performance and you know work that's tied into sort of you know social engagement mm. or you know like all those theater things.
1: whatever yeah yeah
0: it's funny because they're in, in looking at your work there there almost is a performative aspect mm. to it it's almost like a, you're setting the stage for this small still life event sort of yeah thing to happen.
1: totally well definitely when you put the flowers in it's yeah. like that that really is a way of activating those pieces and definitely so
0: so i guess that is a rare or maybe like a, a rare thing to have ceramics tied into sort of like almost like a 2D showing of it with, mm. with three dimensionality and then adding like flowers mm. and adding that other life to it. It's hovering in between because it, it's got the ceramic element to it and it's a lot, you know, having it on the wall Yeah, is making it in a way 2D, you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. So it's like playing You can't between, get around it. Yeah. You're playing between these areas. Yeah. Of discourse that I think plugs it into a, a kind of like exciting, like different interpretation of it mm-hmm. than if you had that on a plinth, you know, and totally. painted the plinth or something. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. It's, it kind of floats between. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of, I spent a lot of time in Japan, I think at Ikebana because, of you know, there's that's art. Yeah. I mean, there's a real art to that. Definitely. And But where do people, where do Westerners plug in like Ikebana as far as, you know, art, quote unquote, art, art? Mm. I don't, it would never, I don't think, really register. Yeah. But there's real art to that. Oh, absolutely. It's painting with, you know. Right. And drawing with this minimal approach and the engagement in the vessel. And it's just really cool. I I would imagine that that's kind of an exhilarating space to work within because I don't think it's activated that much in the way that you're doing it mm. but i'm sure you also get some of the ceramics you know with ceramics comes
1: crap the whole discussion about craft which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. not so interesting to or,
0: me. or no yeah. or more the the ceramicists who are like well that's oh. not that's not
1: really right. legitimate yeah. yeah sure
0: you know yeah that, which i don't think that conversation really happens in the art world it happens more in the academic mm. ceramics mm. world i guess but I don't know, I, I teach at a place that has an, an amazing ceramics program, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's such an exciting field. Yeah, and there's so much room there, I think.
1: Definitely. so and, you're, and you're there that. has been forever. I mean, that's the thing. It's like this incredibly ancient medium, which for me, it's like there are, it just continues to be new. I don't know how it's not exhausted, but it can never be exhausted because it's such a direct expression of the maker.
0: Yeah, I think it's just and plus everything around it is all constantly changing yeah. so every time you plug that in it's like painting in a way too yeah. or sculpture you yeah. know it's like you know with the world changing as it is and technology and all that stuff constantly morphing mm-hmm. then things just engage in that environment differently right. over time which yeah. gives it a, a, a certain value that you know that it's the same thing that people were doing you know hundreds and hundreds of years right. ago but yeah. it means something totally different yeah. in a way
1: yeah. And one of the things I was I guess conscious about with the works is that um even though they were these physical objects, at least now when you go see a show, it's like everything is going to be photographed on a phone and then translated into this two-dimensional right. space. So how do you frame these objects or or create the space which will, you know, look great. Yeah. And on a flattened screen, um, yeah, and one of the ideas with those metal shelves is that it's it's sort of mimics the shape of the photographic psychorama right. yeah. you know and it's like you have to nod to what's happening. I think the pieces look much better in person, but um, the way we're the way we're looking at things is changing really fast and
0: yeah uh, i I thought that's the show I just saw one of your pieces in Is it it? Bienvenue Gallery? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, just in... That show is really interesting, too, because of all the different work going on in there, and yours is just... It's just a totally different Mm. thing, you know what I mean? And seeing it... When you see it in person, it has such a different feel, because, you know... They, there's something about them looking good, or the way that they're framed mm. on a two-inch by two-inch square mm. online. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Which, which is yeah. a necessary evil in a yeah, way. Like, yeah. But, um, that but the physicality of it, yeah. Just like the height of it, you mm. know, like where your eye meets it, like all those things. It's such an important part mm. of experiencing that piece. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I can imagine that. That's a lot of variables that you're thinking about when you're making these mm. things you know? yeah 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 and um so when you're working in the studio are you working on a lot of different things at one time and yeah. how how are you figuring out how the work is going to be shown in groups or like because it is specific to you know the space it's in and i would right. imagine like just as most work it looks different in different installations and different ways yeah. of showing it. Yeah. So are you thinking about all that stuff as you're working on it or is it more piece by piece and then figuring out the display after? Or?
1: Um, I usually have a lot of things going in the studio at once. Um, certainly if I like know that a show is coming up, I'll try to do things specifically, you know, whether it's the shape of the metal, mm-hmm. displays that relate, you know, relate somehow to the space I'm showing the work in um but I also don't like to get too prescriptive. One because the shapes of those pieces I'm making are like they're they're really pushing it in terms of the physical limits of the clay so things break all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because I like that really sort of heavy, drippy, jizzy glaze yeah. application, the other thing that happens is like, you know, You get to the end of the second firing and the thing gets stuck to the kiln shelf and then you have to crack it off and the whole thing, you know, it's like half of it breaks. So I like to think about where it's going but not get too locked on like this piece has to go here and this piece has to go here whatever
0: there's Um, some improv and play with like how it gets realized yeah totally they don't make slip sheets and stuff that you can just like like, when you're baking
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should invent something like that I mean you can like paint it with kiln wash but whatever I'm it's me like I'm the problem I'm the one that's like I want like I love when you get a puddle of glaze at the bottom yeah. of something and that's just risky behavior right. that's, yeah. that's on me it can crack it can crack and making arms that physically don't you know they, they won't support themselves so they'll droop and sometimes it's too much and then things will tip yeah. over or break whatever but that's that's the fun it's like these are shapes I don't think that you're seeing places because they're not practical <laughs> forms at all. Right, but that's you know part of what makes them so lively and fanciful yeah
0: what do you what are your who are your big inspirations as far as like your work is concerned Mm.
1: i mean i look at i look at everything like across genres i mean i look at a lot of dance um i also take dance classes i like love oh yeah i think instagram
0: (laughs) told me that i take
1: these really wild like west indian dance classes where do you
0: where do you take I mean is that in Brooklyn or in the city it's
1: all over it's both now I started at Mark Morris Um, there's a really fun soca class on Saturdays for many years but the teacher is now like doing a master's program at Wesleyan so she's gone heartbroken but through her she would have all these subs and you would immediately be like oh that person's amazing and so now I'm like I take classes in the city um, at Ripley Greer or Pearl they're like these huge crazy dance spaces right. where yeah. like broadway people are rehearsing like salsa everything is yeah. happening and they're really fun different but um but just the like I look at a lot of the costuming that happens around carnival um I also look at uh you know all sorts of I mean all sorts of painting I'm always at the met trust the Etruscan museum in Rome recently was, like, mind-blowing to me. I mean, everything from traditional ceramics to fashion to, you know, obviously the people that are working in the medium now, Betty Woodman, Kathy Butterly, Arlene Scheck, like, you know, but not just ceramics people.
0: What about music? I would imagine... I, could I mean good... i love
1: all the caribbean music for sure yeah. but i listen to everything in the studio i mean
0: when you say caribbean are we talking
1: like trinidad and yeah. like the carnival jams that come oh, okay. out every every single year for carnival there's like a whole new wave of singles that come out
0: i just yeah. watched a it was on japanese tv a documentary about a guy who was really into you know going to carnival and yeah. dressing up it's yeah. fascinating oh really
1: like, what's that called What's that th- you said doc- documentary? Well, it
0: was like it was about this guy, mm. he, um. He was being interviewed by another guy. It's a show okay. where they, they bring in people who are really into something. Okay. Like one week it's they're in the popcorn or another week yeah. they're into, you know, like trains or something. Yeah. And this guy's into carnival. His deal was carnival yeah. and it was like his whole get up that he makes and like the, the experience of going and it, i mean it's just so complicated and, and very intense like oh, visually. Yeah.
1: Have you ever been to the West Indian Day Parade in Brooklyn? I haven't. I mean I know people die every year, but it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jeez. I mean, you're taking your life.
1: Again. Yeah, but there no, there are these costumes, and there's men and women dragging these appendages on wheels. They're like huge armatures that are covered in feathers, and like I don't know, they must be thirty feet tall. It's crazy, but I just love that kind of extravagance and yeah, you know, it's show business in a way. It's totally show business. Like, check this out. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: so that that kind of music.
1: I mean, I listen to that sometimes, mostly for cleaning, because it's so <laughs> high-octane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, everything. Like, love love some disco, soul jams, love. Mm-hmm. Grew up, of course, with the horse stuff, listening to, like, 90s country music. Oh, wow. Which is, like, I know Garth Brooks, like, every Garth Brooks song.
0: That just, that was, like, that just attached via horses? Totally.
1: Yeah, you had to. <laughs> right. I was, like, hanging out with all of these older girls trying to fit in, and they were all listening to Shania Twain. Oh, so
0: it was contemporary. It wasn't like, like Hank Williams Sr. I mean,
1: I like that stuff, too. Yeah, That sort of, all the older stuff, I think, came later. Because in Massachusetts, I think there's, like, a deep appreciation for old you country go back. folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to go back. Sure. I mean... I'm pretty open minded when it comes to music. I also will listen to like terrible pop and hip hop and all yeah. of it. That's and cool. podcasts, obviously.
0: Right. Yeah. So the dancing you do like once or twice a week?
1: I try to do it. I try to do it twice a week. Sometimes, usually it's like depending on what's happening with work stuff. Yeah. Right. But sometimes three times a week if I can. Yeah, and the who... people are like. I mean, the teachers of these classes are like the people that Rihanna hire when they're, she's like doing a late night show. Yeah. They're so fucking good.
0: Another advantage of New York.
1: Oh, it's, this is for niche, either athletics yep. or like anything in the arts, whatever. New York is unbelievable. Or food, or, or art, f- or right.
0: music, or anything else. I, know. I mean, that's why we put up with the BS. That yeah, the city. Totally. Drank. You know, it's wh- thrilling.
1: You can literally tap into any world, and then there, there are world class practitioners here that will teach you.
0: I didn't really notice it that much until my son started taking music lessons. Yeah. Like you know, we went to 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 go try out a dance thing at uh, Exile or whatever. Uh You know that place Uh -uh. on the Bowery? It's like um, it's it's called Exile, but it's where like all the K-pop and J-pop people. Oh yeah, that's an amazing world. It is legit. Like these teachers are just you know working with the biggest names. Yeah. It's like oh, you could just pop in there for a class.
1: Right. (laughs) So much fun. Yeah. so much fun yeah uh, dancing's great I think moving I mean I can't ride horses here obviously so I need a physical thing to do yeah
0: def- oh, I, I always I swear by like a physical output is so. you gotta
1: important. do it otherwise you'll lose your mind
0: yeah you just stress relief and to be in touch with the body because you know making work you gotta be it's physical to some extent yeah you can't just be
1: certainly like, the clay thing yeah definitely yeah,
0: you gotta move around
1: yeah that's gotta be cool. strong gotta shred
0: true <laughs> shredding shredding in the studio so what do you have like what's on your radar uh, as far as like what are you working towards is there anything well i mean you just had that group show
1: yeah uh is and that still up or i think it's down not, right? i think it's down and i guess um next i know nada's happening in chicago this fall and jack is gonna go do that um so I'm making some work for that. Uh, it'll Listeners, be that's Jack
0: Hanley Gallery. Jack
1: Hanley Gallery. Yeah, he's really great. He's a West Coast guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he is, right? I mean, Wait, I North. guess originally Texas, right? But then West, then San Francisco, San Francisco L.A. LA. Yeah. yeah, no. So his vibe was very comfortable for it me. It worked definitely. Um, and the it'll be, I think the booth will be me, Nikki Malouf, who I know you've i do spoken know with yeah. love her and She's Alan great. who just had a show at Jack. So yeah. that should be a fun project, but I'm, I've been experimenting more with, um, alternative firing, which like I just last weekend did, a another Raku firing, which is this old yeah, Japanese yeah. way of doing it. You like pull things out when they're glowing red hot and throw them in a trash can and the All glaze changes depending on how matches. much oxygen you let in when, you know, it's setting up. So, um, I'm covered in mosquito bites, but I got some really strange work back. And what I like about that is just how unpredictable it is, but also the color you get. My work for a long time has been, you know, it's like the color comes from the clay body and the white glaze and the resist sort of shows the clay body. But now I'm sort of trying to push myself more into color spaces, which is really hard. As you know, as a painter, color is crazy. And, um, but it's pretty exciting. It's a pretty exciting way to, work so I'm trying to at this point figure out like do I need to rethink the whole way I'm approaching the displays um because th- these pieces feel so different to me yeah uh but then also thinking about you know where where else do I take the work now like should I I'm, I'm interested clearly in costuming Do I, and I'm working with all these dancers. Is there a video that's going to happen? I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I was, we did a great trip to Sardinia and Rome recently. There were fountains everywhere. That feels like a very natural place to explore. But then it's like all the logistics of having water. A water feature (laughs) in the gallery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like stagnant water and things smelling and, but very, very appealing to me. So we'll see. Uh, Certainly that won't be ready by the time they go to right, Chicago, but it's like long term in the next year or so. Something I think I'll try to explore and tackle. That's yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: so many doors to open. I mean,
1: you can do anything, anytime, right? It's great. It's crazy.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and then people can find your work on, websi- on, on website, on Jack's website, and then
1: I have um,
0: you do social media.
1: I have yes, Instagram Emily Emily Mullin. Molly,
0: are there underscores involved? There I don't think so. I think
1: it's just at e m u l l i, and then yeah, uh, I have a. There's like a link to a website that just has some of my work up on that. Um, yeah, and then Jackie Anley. Nice. As well, Well, yes. I've
0: loved the work since I've, I, you know, since I first saw it, and it's just really interesting stuff. So it's been, oh, it's been great to thank have you, you over.
1: Thanks so much. Good, chat. <laughs> Good thank job. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Woo.
0: Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast or donate or support it at soundvisionpodcast.com. You can see more images at Sound and Vision Podcast on Instagram, and you can find out more about my work at brianalfred.net or on Instagram at Alfred Studio. Um, many thanks to Golden Paints for supporting the podcast and our new sponsor, Baron Arts, who make great stretchers and panels. Check them out. Also, thank you to the New York Studio School for their sponsorship. Make sure you check out their marathon sessions, which are starting very soon. Check them out at nyss.org and their programs. Many thanks to Tone for his intro-outro music and Michael Lovett of Maske Lines and who is currently playing with Metronomy, um, for doing the introduction. You can support the podcast by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. It really helps. Thank you so much for listening and all your support.